The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Oh, Matt Waldman, the scouting combine is ongoing. <laughs> News is moving at a breakneck pace. We've got a lot going on here today. Uh, Monday in general, feel it or fuck it? Feeling it today because there's no, there's no actual football from Sunday. So I'm always feeling it after that, just, you know, at this time of year. How about you? I'm definitely feeling it. Uh, fresh off the vacation to a fast-moving start. And let's dive into it because uh, we have a little news. I, I was told free agency started next week, but I left out some of the pieces. Like Derek Carr is already available, Matt. Uh, sounds like he's got a deal done essentially with the Saints. He kind of confirmed it on Twitter with a little who dat tweet. Uh, Derek's, Derek Carr is a Saint. Feel it or fuck it. I'm definitely feeling that because I, I think that he gives you really the best potential stopgap option that you, you know, at worst. And a quality Ryan Tannehill-esque type of addition who can maybe give you another three or four years and help you be a playoff contender in what I would say is a weak division as it stands right now in the NFC South. It could get quite stronger within you know the coming weeks, but I don't. I think that the Saints with Derek Carr have an inside track to return to prominence. Yeah, they suddenly have the best quarterback in the division, right? Well, they're the only team with a quarterback in the division. Let's <laughs> rephrase that. The what Panthers. about Kyle Trask? Mm, I don't Fuck know. It. You would know more about him than Fuck I do because I ain't seen nothing of that. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I kind of agree with this. I think, you know, Derek Carr, the thing I've said about Carr, and I believe this, is he's a really good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. Yep. In the NFL, there are not a lot of great quarterbacks, and there's not a lot of really good quarterbacks. And, and so – I think, you know, we've seen him recently drive the fantasy value of various assets. Devontae Adams most recently. Hunter Renfro has had some great seasons. Derek Carr. Darren Waller's had some great seasons. My bigger concern in New Orleans is going to be the supporting cast. And we'll talk about one of them in a minute. But we've got questions about Alvin Kamara's immediate future with this club. He has, uh, he'll go on trial the July 31st uh, on assault charges. I think these are serious charges and are going to cost him some time. Uh, so there'll be questions at running back. There are questions at wide receiver. Uh, Chris Olave is an ascending talent, but beyond that, Michael Thomas, we don't know a lot about him. Uh, I mean, I think there's some other promising pieces there, but not a lot of proven commodities. So uh, I'm kind of feeling this as well, but I have concerns. So that brings me to Chris Olave. Uh, does he have wide receiver one upside with Derek Carr quarterback? Fuck yes, he does. I'm feeling that. That's a that's a terrific pairing because Carr has worked with so many varieties of players from um you know Amari Cooper to um Michael Crabtree and then you have guys like Devontae Adams and Renfro and Waller so he's worked with guys that you know who have all been very good route runners in this league Carr's a terrific play action passer um so getting the running back situation straight will be fine I mean I could see them drafting a running back and feeling pretty good about it or taking a shot on a free agent who will be a holdover stopgap for, you know, based on what they think of what they want to gamble about with Kamara's future. Um, so that's all fine. But Olave 
really low-key metrics-wise, if you just want to look from the metrics, low-key was really still one of the best receivers of the rookie class, even when their quarterback situation got kind of off-kilter. Um, but when you put him with a quarterback the caliber of Carr who makes good reads, who if you give him a lot of information pre-snap to make decisions, he and Alave are going to turn out to be very good. And and here's the thing. Saints offensive line hasn't been good as it used to be. But at the same time, the when has the Raiders offensive line been great? It, it really has had a lot of holes and Derek Carr has played well through a lot of those holes. So it's not like he's entering a situation he's not used to um, uh, from that perspective. I, I think that it's going to be a fine matchup and we, we should see Alave have a real strong shot at top 15 production this year. And yes, Rashid Shahid, the truthers, I know you're out there. Yes, you they wait. are. It's going to get better. feeling it. <laughs> kind of feeling it. Um, boy, there's a lot going on here. So we'll just touch base on, you know, you know these breaking news stories that come. Um, Michael Silver writing for Bally Sports. Uh, so get used to the gambling world, what? getting more involved, intersecting more <laughs> with the NFL world. That's coming, people. Uh, wait till one of these places what? hire Schefter away. Um, anyway. When uh, does so Circus your... Circus start hiring people? Hold on. Pretty wait. soon. I'm, okay. I've applied. I'm okay. the clown. Red nose. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reporting is from Silver that the Titans are shopping Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a desirable trade asset. Feel it or fuck it. <sighs> Overall, fuck it, but, but only because he's an aging player. How you know depends on what the contract really has to tell you. If it's a if they can get really, it's more of like they're paying the the back end of a short term deal, and you're a good team that really needs a running back to to make yourselves a strong contender and kind of tie the room together. Then I'm feeling that, but I don't know if there are a lot of teams that are going to say, hey. Yes, we could have a top running back right here, but do we have the line that's going to support what he does best? And is how long are we really going to have him? And couldn't we get one of these good rookie running backs that are coming out mm. for a lot cheaper for about three to five years, three to four years, and maybe franchise tag the guy? So we'll maybe get him for five, and then we can move on to the next guy. So I think a lot of teams think that way. And so I would say, as a player, I'm still feeling him as a deal in a trade. Fuck that. Agree. I think, uh, you know, a team would have to say, we are a Derrick Henry away from a championship. I don't think any team thinks they're a running back away from anything, right? Just the way the way we've seen things going. That said, quarterbacks are a different story. Many teams covet these players. You'll be surprised to learn that. Well, but I mentioned oh. earlier, some are good, uh, a few great ones. Somebody oh. in my house did a podcast on some <laughs> last night. I don't know who it was, but... He Might left a you. mess in this office. Might have been you. Uh, so, that being the case, Lamar Jackson doesn't sound like the long-term deal is going to be done. The, the deadline is Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday. Deadline's Tuesday. Uh, so, exclusive or non-exclusive tag is the next question. The recent reporting for Lamar Jackson is the non-exclusive tag. If that's the case, uh, teams being willing to give up two first-round picks and paying Lamar Jackson. Feel it or fuck it. Fuck it, based on those teams. I love Lamar Jackson's game. I think he's he still gets kind of clowned on by a lot of people who may not understand the nuances of the game. Um, but he is, you know, there. I think teams are going to be part of those that, that kind of clown him a bit. And I'll just look at it and say, 
you know, some of them didn't think he was a, a, a quarterback prospect because they, I think they spend more time looking at box score stats than actual charting quarterback games and understanding that his accuracy is pretty darn good. Um, you know, and I know that our buddy Dwayne McFarland has recently done some things on Lamar Jackson to talk about that. But at the same time, it, you know, when we when we look at quality of receivers, we, we do have to understand that there is a different quality. I would disagree with him about just saying, oh, Marquise Brown, he, they had quality of receivers. No, I I would say they've they've had it, it's been kind of mistimed in terms of the the quality of talent and you know, I, I agree with Rashad Bateman. He is a quality player, and he is going to get a chance to prove his value if he can stay healthy this next year. He's been able to do that for most of his career. So anyway, Lamar Jackson, to me, teams are going to feel like they're, they're going to have to restructure their offense. And at this late, this stage of the year where they're trying to do some planning, I don't know how many teams are going to feel like, yeah, let's bring in Lamar Jackson. We didn't anticipate that we were going to assign him. And now let's revamp our whole offense, especially if you have um, a current offensive um, coordinator who's entrenched with that team who might not be as agreeable about those things. Um, so I think the best bet is Lamar Jackson ends up staying a, as a Raven. They make this thing work out well. Um, and, and I think that, you, you know, they can do that with Munkin. It is Todd Munkin that's going to be there. So, I, you know, we talked about him a week ago or a couple weeks ago. I, I still think that can be a good fit. I think that's where he's going to wind up. So, yeah, fuck the idea of trading two first-round picks and then all the rearranging they got to do. Right. I think that's a big deal. Although, uh, I do paraphrase Lamar, he throws pretty good for a running back. And uh, I would agree with that assessment there by the great scouting mind of Lamar Jackson. Daniel Jones! Sounds like there's some optimism a deal will be done. That said, uh, the deal is, well, importantly, the desire is $45 million a year. I know you do not like Daniel Jones as much as me. I'm guessing you say fuck it to that $45 million a year. I just say fuck it to the question about the about um salaries because the way I look at it is every year that people pay a quarterback on a second contract a big salary it's like oh they, you know they all have the the heart attack about it but then you know in coming years it turns out to be like a mid-level deal and I right. think that's what's going to happen with Daniel Jones I'm okay with that he did play better he's you know th this is where he needs to stay. Um, and if he went to New Orleans, I would say that would have been a potential for disaster, um, just mainly because there's a whole new reacquaintance process. And I think that Dable has done a good job of figuring out what Jones does well, how to help Jones get better. And this is where he needs to stay so that maybe he can become a Kerry Collins-esque, Eli Manning-esque type of player who started off kind of yeah like he said derisively yeah i do kind of like yeah i i saw if you saw bob in this it looked like he got smelling salts when i said those two names um you know and that's kind of the deal is like they had smelling salts and it revived their revived them <laughs> to be able to go on and have a decent career and i think daniel jones maybe didn't need the strong bottle of smelling salts i saw on joe rogan's podcast you know several weeks ago but but he said he may need a, a quick little lift from a weaker bottle that's been out in the air a bit. So I think it's interesting that the Giants could play tag with him for the next three years and come out cheaper than the $45 million a year. So, uh, But they need that tag uh, because they want to keep Saquon Barkley. And so they will be desirous of a long-term deal. So we'll see if it happens. I don't know. I don't really care.
care how much he makes. I'm just happy that it's here to be a thorn in Matt Waldman's side. Ah. All right, so getting on with the Saquon Barkley portion of that uh, uh, issue. Uh, Saquon Barkley remaining a giant. Feel it or fuck it? I feel it. I mean, I think there's a not. This is again one of those situations where teams might find Barkley a little more appealing than Derrick Henry, though I think that that's. I don't. I think that that's not necessarily a great viewpoint because I would probably rather have Derrick Henry if I if the deal was well for a year um, on the right team than Barkley, who I, I worry a little bit more about with injury. And and while Barkley certainly has equal upside to Derrick Henry, I think Henry's a little more underrated when people think Barkley because he's so flashy. Um, people fall in love with that flash, but uh, I think he, I think he'll remain a giant. They're going to keep the band together one more year, see if they can get a little bit better work in the trenches and and with that defense, and see if they can make a playoff run. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I, you know, I, I thought Barkley rebounded nicely last year, better yeah. than I expected. Showed a little bit of the old explosiveness at times. Also wore down at times, and I got a little beat up. But uh, I think he's still a pretty solid running back. I don't think he's going to get his desired salary. I think he's wanting north of twelve million a year. Sorry, that's not going to happen. Speaking of twelve million a year, uh, I think that's about what Joe Mixon is worth this season. Uh, Jay Morrison at the Athletic recently reported that he could be a cap casualty. So I'll put it to you, Matt Waldman. Joe Mixon, a Bengal in 2023. Feel it or fuck it. Well, I don't know all about the off-field stuff and what happened recently, and we don't know all the details, most likely, um, of how that's going to go and, and, and what goes from there. But we do understand that he's had a, you know, this is a, this is a second issue related to, to violence, um, and I think violence against women. So... You know, when you look at it pragmatically, not how I feel about it, but just pragmatically in today's society, um, y- you know, that it's most likely that they're they're going to find a way to get rid of him and get out from under him. And so that and especially at a position that tends to be pretty replaceable and there's good talent on the board here. So I'm I'm saying, fuck it. He's probably going to be out on the street somewhere. I think he is, and I think I agree with you. I think he is, and there are, there are some teams I think that he'll be a reasonable enough uh, price that, you know, if you're not having to trade for these running backs, you can sign him as free agents. And once they come to grips with what their value is, I mean, that's, look, this is a hard thing for running backs, right? They are, like, not highly valued, and, uh, and uh, you know, and I'm sure they value themselves differently. So I think as players come to grip with what the salaries are, we'll see that adjustment made. I'm not saying it's right, wrong. I'm not into, you know. I just it is what it is that they're valued is how they're valued so um <clears throat> we'll see what we'll see about Mixon. i do think there would be suitors for him maybe maybe more interest in him than there would be in derrick henry since you're not having to trade for him. ezekiel elliott i don't know how much interest there would be in him i'm wondering how much interest there is in the cowboys they could save some money as well by moving on from him i think that number is they'd save four save almost five billion by releasing him uh 10 million if they designate him as a post june one cut uh, Tony Pollard going to get the tag if they can't get the long-term deal done by the t- Tuesday afternoon. Ezekiel Elliott, a Cowboy in 2023, field or fuck it? I'm going to say fuck it. Um, even though Jared loves <laughs> loves him some Ezekiel Elliott, and I love he Ezekiel does. Elliott's game. I think I, you know, I'm still one of those lone holdouts who thinks he's he's a fine running back. And and while yes, people love to argue the the contract, well, he's not worth the contract. Well, most of you don't know what a running back. is 
is worth in terms of just valuing their skill. Um, so I'm not even going to touch your takes on, you know, touch your takes on what he's worth in terms of money. I just know that he's a, still a good running back, may not have great um, explosion that he once had. It, it may be a little bit off, but I think he's going to be a good addition somewhere. Um, and a surprisingly good starter for another team if he lands on a team like to me if the if the Saints the Saints need another back for you know a, a, maybe a cheaper option to hold they over do. for Kamara which <laughs> they will Elliott could be a really good fit there I could say we could even see where Cincinnati says you know what we don't want to trade for anybody but we think we could get a good year out of Ezekiel Elliott with our line and our and and our surrounding talent that you could see Elliot being that guy guy there as well and then they maybe draft a young guy behind Elliot that to me would be a, a good option so yeah I'm feeling him going somewhere else and actually being pretty good and but I don't feel him staying in in, in uh, Dallas just because you know you're you're your people man now they're your people your 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 people are kind of crazy about football and they get they they start doing some weird things like you know here it's a religion in georgia there it's kind of more like a mafia-esque type of thing so i'm waiting for like i'm waiting for like threats and crazy things let's hope not but you know just dumb stuff like they'll walk up to you they'll you know they'll walk up to you in this in, in in your town and start like telling you about what you should be doing and how you should be doing it even though they played like two and a half weeks of high school football you, you know had testicular torsion and decided to leave the game and you know but they still somehow have the balls to be able to go up to a a, a pro bowl caliber running back and tell him how he should play his game my dog groomer fluff daddy would agree with you there um because uh, i've heard him tell me uh, uh so i'm gonna say i feel ezekiel remaining cowboy on the slight cheap i think there will be loyalties going both ways and he might give them a little bit of a deal but he'll have to to remain there uh more exciting reporting this morning uh tom pelicero at nfl network saying Allen robinson uh the rams have informed his agent that that he can now uh seek trade trade offers uh so uh alan robinson rebooting his career with a new team feel it or fuck it <laughs> yeah you... i mean i i i still think that he can be a quality player i just don't know if that's his desire um the rams to me were a good opportunity and if it and and to me if you couldn't emerge in that offense yes with the quarterback play the way it was is an obstacle. But if you couldn't emerge to get the targets that you should have been able to get with Cooper Cup out for much of the year, what's going on there? Because he should have easily been able to take over. Now, that said, you know, maybe Sean McVay deserves a little more criticism than he gets with his ideas. He seems to be a little ego-driven and ego-attached with certain things to the point that, like, you know, We've seen we saw it with Todd Gurley for years, where they're running him into fronts that high school teams have figured out for years how to stop wide zone, and he couldn't seem to figure out how to alter um, alter course until nine games into the season. He came into the you know to the Super Bowl matchup with the with Bill Belichick basically with a with a um, you know one of those guns with a string and a, and a suction cup on it and thought that was going to work against Bill Belichick and 
and you know, but then decided to blame Jared Goff, who had a Pro Bowl season this year, um, for a, a Lions team that didn't have as much talent, I would argue, as what the 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 Rams did maybe at the time that they were feeling like, oh well we need to move on from him. So something tells me that there's a little more to, there's potential for more to this story, but I, I'll still say fuck it because at this point I think he's, I, I think he's probably a little worn down about with the machinery that the NFL, you know, game is about on and off the field. So Matt Wallman, fuck it to both Allen Robinson and Sean McVay. Uh, I'm on board with I'm on board with that as well. So I'm looking at this uh, free agent draft class or free agent class at wide receiver, Matt, and I, I see names like uh, you know Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Chark, Alan Zard, uh, I mean, Odell Beckham is on that list as well. But Jacoby Myers is. So I frame it like this: Was Jacoby Myers the top option in a shallow free agent group at wideout? Feel it or fuck it. I can I feel. I can I feel it. Yeah, I can feel it. Um, mainly because he is a reliable pass catcher. He's a super smart wide receiver who understands how to adjust routes. He's a former quarterback, so he really does understand the game well, and he executes at a high level, despite the fact that he doesn't have that high-level free agent athletic ability. So, um, But I can see him being that sneaky good player, maybe not a Robert Woods type of player because Robert Woods had a high level of athletic ability. But on the right fit, he could be that player. But I would still say DJ Chark is someone that would I, I would probably be considering a little <clears throat> bit more than Jacoby Myers just simply because I think he's speed. a very good pass catcher. Also speed. I mean, speed. Yeah, speed. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I, I kind of feel Jacoby, I mean, you know, just given the the dearth of overall high end talent, I think Myers would be a a really serviceable player for the right team. And also, he scored touchdowns last year. It was great. He could be a he could be a thing. Uh, so moving on to Beckham, then uh, Odell Beckham, still a viable frontline NFL receiver. Yeah, I'm feeling that. If the knee, I'll put it this way: the odds are that the knee's bad enough to say fuck it. Okay. But if the knee is good, I am totally feeling it because he still is an excellent route runner. He's still one of the best route runners in the league. Um, you have wide receivers. You know, I know we have our thing about Steve Smith, but I'm a, as a big Steve Smith wonk, I'll say that you know if Steve Smith is going to say this year, yes, Odell Beckham would still be a you know an elite wide receiver in this league as long as the knee's good. I totally agree with that. And from what I've seen, that's the case. It's just, you know, overall, if you're being a pragmatist from a fantasy perspective, you're going to want the answer to be fuck it until you see proof otherwise, because <laughs> at the at the end of the day, has he been available? And the answer has probably been no. But I saw enough of Odell Beckham in Cleveland two years ago to tell you for years that you just say fuck it with Baker Mayfield. Somebody please get um, Odell Beckham a quarterback and that's that's kind of where we're at a personal fielder fucking Steve Smith is to NFL wide receivers what David Carr is to Derek Carr yes an unabashed cheerleader who is a crazed shill who will say nothing but kind things about his contemporaries there you have it uh so <laughs> I'm told <laughs> fuck that <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm told you know something about rookie uh rookies uh and uh, the sources are my eyes because every year I read the rookie scouting portfolio. Is that available soon, Matt? It is April 1st for the 18th year. 
um, mm. at mattwaldman.com. You should go there and pre-order it for twenty one ninety five because you're going to pre-draft full price now. That, that's full price, price. yeah. So now you can go definitely go get it. Yeah, absolutely. You crazies, I appreciate you. So, uh, you know, it's rookie scouting portfolio or rookie scouting portfolio and the rookie scouting combine. Uh, we'll combine those together and do all those things. So, we just had the combine. It was very exciting. The underwear looks great. It's a new brand of underwear, I'm told. Um, so that was fantastic. Generally speaking, Matt, uh, players changing minds with combine performances. Feel it or fuck it. I'm feeling that if you're very selective about how that works. And I think that generally what that, that is is usually if they're a small school player or if you had doubts about um, their their physicality or injury in a certain respect, something that maybe either the scheme disguised or that it was hard to see on film. So a guy like Stetson Bennett, who's a five, you know, 5'11", 190-ish pound quarterback, um, out of the University of Georgia, you, you know, to me, you may think of him and think of something like if you're an older fan of, of teams like the Alabama teams and the Miami teams with Ken Dorsey, Gino Toretta, um, Craig Erickson, um, you know, A.J. McCarron, you think of, oh, marginally athletic player with um, just slightly not quite good enough arm who was part of national championship contending teams and he had great surrounding talent so maybe he's not all that good but i think you watch stetson bennett throw the ball around the yard and you know and you see the quickness because he always looked quick on tape but then you read that basically his 20 shuttle was better than just about every wide receiver who ran at the combine in this draft class and you go huh this guy's got the quickness of a slot receiver he's got a a, a, a quality nfl arm and his tape looks good. Maybe we do consider him. You know, those are those cases. But, you know, more than anything, this is really validation or of, of what you've already seen on film or makes you go back and look at some, some smaller details. You know, the fact that, you know, maybe a quarterback threw a high velocity, um, you know, and but his tape sucked is shouldn't change your mind about him you know it needs to be tape good workout good and you need to be able to find and and maybe you might need to take a second look to make sure that you understood why the tape was good or why it wasn't good so more specifically then anthony richardson he had a really good combine it appears uh, at least the uh the things like the vertical jumps and the running of the 40 yards and the broad jumps and things like that did he change any minds with any of that um, he probably did, but not the minds that should matter um, because the minds that should matter are the ones that actually charted his games and understand that completion percentage um, is really not an accurate way of judging quarterback accuracy. And that's something that um, I talk about in my podcast that, that you can find today that, that came out late earlier this morning about you know, looking at Baker Mayfield as a good example of a guy with a high completion percentage, but, you know, poor charted accuracy and Lamar Jackson with a low completion percentage and high charted accuracy. Or again, Baker Mayfield-esque um, player Zach Wilson in the same respect there. Um, Anthony Richardson fits in that Lamar Jackson territory in terms of if you actually chart his games and then you take throws that are just reasonably it's very reasonable to say they were pinpoint accurate and the receiver didn't perform his task. Um, 
his completion percentage would have been much higher than what you're seeing on, in the box score. And, um, you know, certainly I look at him and, you know, I won't go too far into it, but let's just say that we'll, we'll say it this way. Bob, if, if you and I were both learning Vietnamese, okay, just and we decided that we were going to be sent to Ho Chi Minh City, and you learn Viet, you learn Viet, we both learned it at the same time, but um, you've been in Vietnam, you've been in um, Ho Chi Minh City for two to four years. I just went last year. Okay, now you're probably going to know all the different little cons that the street um, artists might have there that you don't want to give up your money to. You might know more about the culture all those things but let's just say you're the average you know exchange student from america and you're um you know you need to have things repeated to you a couple of times so that you understand it that you need to ask them to speak slower um you know all those things but you know your way around in contrast to me maybe i'm a little bit more gifted but i'm raw in the in the in the extent that I may get tricked by things because I don't understand the culture of Vietnam. You've been there for two to four years. I've been there for one year. But at the same time, I seem to pick up on them. I can speak at, at the same pace as a native in Vietnam. I can listen at, this, at, at a fast pace. And I can even multitask while I'm listening to that language at a high pace um, and, and actually pick up on sarcasm, wit, humor, um, emotion and convey that kind of emotion. Well, I might be raw because I might get tricked by somebody because I don't understand the, the culture, but I'm probably more likely to have impactful relationships with people who don't speak English. So, you know, Anthony Richardson to me is that is more like the guy who's been to Ho Chi Minh City for a year, but can can operate at a high level, but just doesn't understand the culture yet. And I think a lot of people look at him as Malik Willis, who who basically might have um might have been there for a few years, but you have to ask them to like give you the Google Translator so that they can <laughs> they can have conversations. That two very different types of raw. So yes, you should have your mind changed by Anthony Richardson. And if you don't, well all the better for me and everybody else who reads the rookie scouting portfolio. That's what all I have to say. All right, then B. John Robinson, I've heard is a generational talent. Is he a top 10 NFL draft pick? I don't know. I'm going to say for the sake of this, I'm going to say, I feel it because I do think he's a very good running back and in the, and you know, he's a good pass catcher. He's certainly, he checks all the boxes of being a potential pro bowl caliber running back. Um, would I say he's on the tier of Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott early in his career um, and Nick Chubb? I think he's close, but not quite there. Fair enough. All right, so let's just do some broad looks at these various positions. Now that the combine is over, you've had a lot of time to study. Let's just go uh, 2023 quarterback class, feel it or fuck it, general. Feel it. I think it's a strong class. Feeling it to the point that I would recommend that you you use at least the top three players to build a dynasty um, squad around. I would. I usually say don't draft quarterbacks in dynasty this year. I would make it a point to. And if you're in that nether region of like um, no man's land of like not being good enough to play in the playoffs with your fantasy team, 
but too good to be have a top five pick and you don't want to try and buy a top five pick, stockpile quarterbacks where you can and start with this year's class with one of them. Um, and I think it, there per, there's three that are perfectly good to to build a team around, and I would be very happy with them. Same drill, running back class. I think it's a strong class overall. I, I think there's some really good talents there. Um, the problem is, is that um, you're banking on trying to find some guys who are going to give you five, six, seven years of really ca- strong caliber starter talent. And I'm just not sure the, the league is that way anymore. You may find one, but you're throwing darts to do that. So um, generally speaking, th- it's a deep class. So I would say that you know if you can collect backs in the second, third, and fourth rounds, that's the way to go. Get a quarterback maybe near the top or a tight end, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and I think that you, you know, and you can be selective about taking your shot on one of the top running backs, of course, too, if you have an early pick. Wide receivers. I think it's a weak class. Um, it's it's not awful, but there are a lot of players. This is a minefield class where where they're all in that range where. With the right fit and with the right attention to detail to develop, there's probably 15 to 20 of them that could emerge as fantasy contributors to your lineup, meaning low-end start, mid-range to low-end starters or bi-week options. 20 of okay. them. We know that most likely, if there's 20 of them that could do that, there's probably three that are actually going to, <laughs> and good luck picking who they are pre-draft. So I... I think overall, it's not a terrible class, but it's definitely weaker than the past two to three years. Uh, based on the hype, I'm feeling the tight end class already. And I don't know a damn thing about it. How about you? Yeah, I'm totally feeling this class. I think that there's a, I think there's a potential generational talent in this class. Well, gener- I'm not going to use that term. Fuck that. Ah, all you right. just did. Yeah. Too late. Fuck it. Fuck it. Locked no, in. No. All right. All right. I'm hiding. But <laughs> there is... Yeah, yeah, actually there is. It because of the way he'll be used, I think there's a potential generational talent in this class. And there's about um four to six other tight ends that I think could be good starters within a year or two. Um and there's maybe another five to six who might actually you know, give you fantasy value at some point during their careers and and grow into that. So there's a lot of potential with this class and a lot of different types of players. Um in terms of styles of tight ends, who can be productive for fantasy. I, I'm feeling this class as well. Doesn't mean you're going to want to go. There's maybe one or two tight ends that you might want to pick in the first 15 picks, um, mm. especially in a, and in a 1.5 PPR league, you might want to take them, take um, at least one of them in as a top three, top five pick overall. Kyle Pitts would like us to remember the landing spot matters a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, that's my two cents. I, and uh, I did not really feel the NFL scouting combine. It's very exciting to watch them run around in small circles. And I, don't lines. I don't watch I it. I don't watch it. I never do. But uh, but I love getting the results. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's data, right? Sometimes you need that additional data to kind of uh, solidify what your views already are or to kind of maybe make you look again and question a little more. Uh, no question. We'll be back next week. Matt Waldman, thank you very much. It's been a great day. Love you. Goodbye. Love you. Bye.